All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. Hey, it's Kevin Monroe. I want to welcome you to episode 29 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Jeff Harmon. Jeff believes that some of the world's most difficult challenges stem from how we treat one another and that leadership is the means to changing that narrative and the course of the world. Jeff and I originally met about five years ago at a conference on servant leadership hosted by the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership when I was leading their consulting work. Jeff leads Brilliance Within Coaching and Consulting and specializes in the development of servant leaders while helping them translate strategies into action. Join me as we have this stimulating conversation with Jeff about servant leadership and purpose. So hello, Jeff Harmon. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. We're going to have a good time exploring servant leadership and talking about facets of servant leadership that that are misunderstood. And honestly, I hope we work in a topic that makes some people squirm. Mm -hmm. But first, what's something you'd like those listening to know about you that gives them an insight about what motivates Jeff to do what Jeff does? Mm. Well, first, Kevin, thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, um, I love it. Uh, I've just grown to really respect you and the work you're doing. So I'm just really excited to be here. So thank you first. Glad to have you. Um, I I think the story that I'd like to share is that I live life in a wheelchair. Hmm. Um, So 11 years ago, I was diagnosed with a neurological condition. Uh, The acronym is AMN. And and the truth is about people who are diagnosed with my condition, first, if they're diagnosed as a child, they, are, they usually die by the age of 12. Mm. Um, and also adults, it can sometimes impact um, their life. I mean, life in terms of their existence, whether they live or die. So I, I got the good news that it was highly unlikely that AMN was going to take my life. Um, And what that did for me, Kevin, was it just put my mortality and my impermanence right there at the front of my thoughts. Yeah. And it really shifted, it really shifted how I thought about what I was doing in my world. It didn't change my career because this happened after I had entered into my, into my, into my, created my company. Um, But it gave me focus and that I don't have time. I don't have time to wait. Um, even though my diagnosis is that I'll live, given other factors as well, but I'll live a long life. Um, so I don't have time. And I want to impact people in a major way, impact leaders in a major way, and speak truth to them and, um, and, and get down to business. So I, I'd love, um, thank you for asking. I think that's what I'd love, I, I want people to know about me. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jeff. Um, when you and I first met, you had been diagnosed, but you were not yet confined to a wheelchair. And and when we reconnected earlier this year, you were explaining that part of the journey and and how that has really helped frame 
purpose for you and, and your desire to live every day on purpose and to advance, promote purpose to those you work with. So I, I'm, I'm grateful that you would be willing to share that with our audience because that really is something that uh, affects the way you see life now. And, and I love that you have that you have not taken it to be a uh, negative, but you have transformed something that could be very negative into something profoundly powerful and positive in your life. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And if I could just add, I, I, I believe me, I had my moments of pity. And, and so what I've also realized is I have to create a context for my life. That's much bigger than this wheelchair, much bigger than me. I have to create a really powerful context. And, and for me, people, we're going to talk about servant leadership here in a minute. People see servant leadership and they see it prescriptive and they see, okay, here's the things I should do. But what really is called for in whatever you're doing, and including practicing servant leadership, is you've got to create a powerful context of why why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you even entertaining the idea of integrating servant leadership into your work, into your leadership? And so, um, you know, I had some stumblings. I, I slipped. I, had a, I was coming from a pretty weak context. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that, that is, that's a big lesson that I've learned is I've got to create a, more, a powerful context that really moves me, sometimes without me even knowing it. Mm. I think we're going to come back and visit that. I love the idea of context. And, and as you said, we're here, we want to focus on some servant leadership topics. Uh, but I love this idea of context. And I was just thinking as I was listening, processing what you just said, connecting that to servant leadership. You know, I've had some experiences working with organizations where servant leadership didn't pan out so well for them. And I realized, just as I heard you say that, that part of the reason was they were missing context for servant leadership. They were looking at servant leadership as a, uh, as a prescription or, or as a remedy for a problem. We, we have this cultural problem in our company or we have this issue. So they were looking at it as a remedy and kind of looking at it as something to do as a short-term fix once we get this crisis resolved. We can go back to business as usual, and that's missing the context. So, thanks for the context conversation. I'm sure we'll integrate it some more here. Yeah, you're welcome. So, we're talking about servant leadership, and that's how you and I originally met some five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. I find it fascinating that while Robert Greenleaf literally wrote the book on servant leadership or wrote several books on servant leadership, he never pinned a succinct definition. And if you've read Robert Greenleaf, you realize Robert Greenleaf wasn't succinct in many things. I mean, the the guy wrote prolifically and wrote in paragraphs and and not short sentences, not not pithy for Twitter. Uh, He would have struggled with Twitter. (laughs) But here's the definition I use. Servant leadership is a people-centered approach to leadership that puts other people in the center and places the needs, growth, and development of those led ahead of those leading hmm. or ahead of their own. So let's unpack that definition a moment. And is there, what, how does that definition resonate with your understanding of servant leadership? Hmm. Well, you have the essence. You absolutely have the essence. I love those first few words, people-centered approach. 
Um, the, the things that I, I, I like to add in, in how I define it are it's got to be intentional. Yes. You got to think about it. You got to be present to where you are and what you want to do. So that's, that's one thing that I like to add to my definition of servant leadership. Um, the other is the outcome. When I describe servant leadership, I like to include, so what's, what's the outcome that you're looking for? And, and, I, and I think of two things. Number one is that people willingly follow or work along. And that's in a really important word with servant leadership. And it's the outcome is that the result is that where people willingly follow, not out of compliance or not because they have to, but because they want to. Right. And then the last is they're working towards a, a result, a common goal, a shared goal. It could be something big and audacious. It could be something very concrete and specific, uh, like a project. Um, so those I think those are just a few, a couple of the things that, that I include when I describe servant leadership to my, to my clients and to those that I have a chance to talk with. So, Jeff, I love the word intentional. And in our work, the way that comes up in workshops is talking about uh, helping people think of those leaders that, that impacted them or those leaders they found most admirable or people they respected and what it was. Or we also talk about when leaders are leading at their best, what are they doing? And helping people understand that sometimes we can do that subconsciously and sporadically. But for me, the power of servant leadership is when you begin to practice it consciously and consistently, which is just another way of saying intentionally. Mm -hmm. So it's this intentionality that I think is really important. Uh, hey, over the past two episodes of the podcast, I've been sharing about servant leadership. And I first the first episode, we talked about a bold claim that servant leadership is transformative. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, do you agree that servant leadership is transformative? Mm. And why or why not? I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you're welcome to disagree. So I do agree that it is transformational. Um, and I always go to the result. I always go to the impact that I'm seeing. I'm seeing it with my clients who are who are committing it, committing to it. Um, and I'm, you know, the marketplace tells us, uh, I think about the Cleveland clinic who's made a, a commitment as an organization to servant leadership and they're seeing their patient satisfaction numbers go up. Um, places like Jason's deli, um, place, uh, a, a restaurant chain in this, in the Southeast, you know, really all over the country. And they're seeing retention up 50%. And that's extraordinary in quick service uh, type restaurant that, that they are. And then you compare good to great companies, Jim Collins book, good to great and the research he did and servant led companies are outperforming. So to me, the transformation is in the results. And then when you look in the details, you see it, the people's lives and the potential that they're achieving in these companies. It's just really, it's really cool. And so hundred percent transformational. Okay. Now, what is it that, that people seem to misunderstand most often about servant leadership? Mm. I, I think that it's soft and that you walk around all day with this big smile on your face, oblivious to the world and to the realities of business, and that you just, you just you're handing out bonuses and, and patting people on the back, and that you're just 
you're just serving their wants. Um, and I think, again, the word servant is part of the challenge is because people have a frame of mindset when they hear the word servant that immediately puts them in a thinking about a certain thing. So all of that added together leads to that misconception. Okay. So how do you help people understand that servant leadership is not soft? Again, I I go to the examples of leaders um, in organizations. We have a shared, uh, a shared colleague, uh, Cheryl Botchelder from Popeye's. I mean, that lady is rigorous yeah. and disciplined. I mean, and that's a, a beautiful case study of, of servant leadership of a certain, <laughs> excuse me, servant led organization. And so to me, it, it comes down to if somebody doubts it is let me show you a few leaders. Yeah. And, and, and that to me is all the case that I, that I need to make that it's not soft. Well, the, the example that I use as well is help people look at military, that mm-hmm. the branches of the military all at some level practice servant leadership. It's taught at the U.S. Air Force Academy. Uh, Simon Sinek in his book, Leaders Eat Last, that whole title came from the Marines. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at organizations like that that are not known for being soft, but they do embrace a servant leadership mentality. I also agree with you. And you mentioned Cheryl Batchelder. I remember the time Cheryl said to me in a uh, conversation that she thought servant leadership had a marketing problem. And part of that is because of the word servant and the way servant is misconstrued, misunderstood, uh, especially culturally, especially in cultures that have ever been subject to servitude, forced servitude. They look at serving as belittling. But I believe, and I know Robert Greenleaf, he, he wrote about this, serving when it is of a choice, when, when you choose to serve, it's one of the most ennobling things one person can do for another is choosing to serve. And Greenleaf made that very clear that serving, uh, the servant leader is one who serves first. You know, it's mm-hmm. the choice leads them to lead. So that whole idea. Then needs versus wants. Let's unpack that a moment because that is uh, a, a very tricky situation for some people. When they hear servant leadership, they think that they're basically going around doing for people those things that they wish someone would do for them. Contrast mm. that. Mm. Well, it's easy when they line up, when a need and a want are, are the same. A legi- and I use the term when I talk about this, a legitimate need. Yeah. And I got that word from... Uh, James, James Hunter's book, The Servant, a legitimate need. And so, again, it's easy when a need and a want are the same. It's challenging when, in, when the, the need is not something that someone wants. You know, I always put servant leadership in the context of, for me as a parent, um, my, I'm fortunate my kids like, like vegetables, not all of them, but, you know, so they don't want to eat a certain vegetable they need to eat it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go to school on a particular day, but they need to go. And I'm going to take a stand and be the tough guy. Maybe they're upset with me, but they need to do that. And so when we put it into the context of parenthood um, or working with kids in general, even for those that are not parents, but if you work with kids that you care deeply for, you get the distinction between a need and a want. 
And our job as servant leaders is to have our antennas just so up and ask the question, what are the legitimate needs today? And then go and serve those needs. Mm-hmm. I think it helps when you realize that uh, Greenleaf and Abraham Maslow were contemporaries. Mm-hmm. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs that everyone or most everyone I'm sure is familiar with, it aligns nicely with servant leadership. And Robert Greenleaf would probably look at that a servant leadership is a self-actualized person. And that's mm-hmm. at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. So when you, you start thinking about needs and wants, Maslow really helps illustrate that for us in, in some of the difference. Yeah. And if, if, I, if I could just add... Sometimes a legitimate need is you have to fire someone. Yeah. Sometimes a legitimate need is to give them hard feedback because the distinction that I play with in my, in my work is serve versus please. And I think that adds a, a layer to it that our job as, as leaders is to serve powerfully, as powerfully as we can, not to please. Okay. You, you just used a word there talking about some distinctive. So let me ask you, what, what is it that makes servant leadership distinctive from other approaches or unique from other approaches to leadership? Hmm. I, I want to highlight one, one part, and I don't know that it's perfectly distinctive, but that you just said, and that's a choice, that to do this, to, to show up, you have, and that comes back to this word intentional, you have to make a clear choice. And in the number one choice that you have to make is it's not about me. Right. So I think if I go to the heart of it is servant leaders every day, whether consciously in word or just over time, subconsciously, they are making a decision. You know what? This role as a leader, it's not about me. That to me is the, is the fundamental difference or distinction between servant leadership and some others. So th- that's where I always start. Yeah. Okay. People-centered, other-centered approach to leadership, putting other people in the spotlight, allowing them to uh, be praised for, for their contribution to the effort rather than taking that, stealing that from them. What's something else? There, there's another distinctive that you've mm-hmm. mentioned before in conversation we've talked about, and and yeah. I'm just so I'm going to bait you a little. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the word is, the, I call it the scariest and the most beautiful word in, in the English language. That's and right. I, and that and word is? That word is love. Love. L-O-V-E. Yeah. So this episode will air on February 13th, the day before Valentine's, which, you know, is the ultimate commercialization of love in, in the world, probably, mm. uh, that day. But Servant leadership, you believe love is a part of servant leadership, correct? Yes, 100%. Okay, now let's tie that back in when we start talking about misconception. When you're talking about what is something that is misconceived in the world today at large, and especially in the world of work, love, and now when you talk about you want to advocate, promote love in the workplace. So as we drill down about this, let me give a little context for listeners. Uh, There are a couple of conversations that stick out in my mind. One of them happened here on the Higher Purpose Podcast. In episode 15, I was talking with Carrie Inge, who is the founder of Rank and File Magazine, which is a beautiful magazine. If If you're not familiar with it, check them out. And she 
told the story of being corrected by the CEO of the company she worked for for using the word love in the workplace. The CEO said, we don't use that word here. And then there's Erie Chapman. Erie Chapman was the uh, CEO of a couple of hospitals, and he launched the uh, champion, the uh, healing hospital movement and radical loving care as the backbone to that. And he wrote books, Radical Loving Care. And he had board members that would say, hey, Erie, we like this concept, but can't you call it compassionate care? Can't you call it something else besides love? Because honestly, we're not comfortable talking about love. So with those as the background, weigh in, Jeff. Mm. What's the challenge with love? Why are so many allergic to it? Well, because we have a single word in the English language. And you mentioned Valentine's Day that has co-opted that and, mar- and, and commercialized it. We have one single word. And, and I get it. In the culture that we're in, there's hesitance. There's, well, what are you talking? I stood in front in the beginning of the year in front of 35 accountants and said the word love to bring that into your leadership. And you should have seen their faces <laughs> contort and crinkle. It was just, it was pretty funny, actually. So th- that's, the, that's the root of the misconception. And so what I think we, what we definitely have to do is, is look at, well, what are we really talking about? And I love to go to the Greek. Yeah. Because they have multiple words for love, um, three in particular, um, that I think really help people understand what we're talking about. Let's go so there. Let's talk about these. Yeah. So the three I use is eros, philios, and agape. Okay. Uh, eros is the Valentine's Day love. It's the romantic love. Um, philios, which is the the root of our our Super Bowl champion Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Um, Philios is is brotherly love, but more succinctly, it's what I call quid pro quo love. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Mm -hmm. I'll do this and then you'll do that for me or vice versa. And it's neither one of those two. That's not servant. That's not the love I'm talking about when, when we're looking at servant leadership. It's that last, it's agape. And agape for me has a number of, of meanings. It's around commitment. It's about, I've got your back, yeah. um, perseverance, um, and it, it doesn't look for reciprocation. It Selfless is love. It, yeah, it is there. It is just, this is what you're going to get. You're, I'm, I'm here to create a, a safe place for you where you know that I have your back. Yeah. Um, so that's when I put it into that context and, and really just take away for a second the actual word, the, the word L-O-V-E, then they like they relax and like okay doesn't mean they're 100% comfortable yet with the word but they're like i get it i know now what i need to do i know where i need to how i need to show up at work yeah and then cs lewis in his classic book the four loves he he had the three you had and then he had the fourth one that we use all of the time Storge, uh, affection. We love apple pie. We love baseball. We love football. We love our favorite sport teams. Mm-hmm. You know, just that deep affection for. So when, when you look at all of those and you go, okay, this is why it gets confused because, and what makes love tough 
is when um, Eros does show up in the workplace. Yeah. And when Eros, as we have, uh, well, I wouldn't even call it love, but in the culture we live in, we've had a lot of inappropriate relationships, um, especially between people in power. When they have used their power to coerce someone into more of a romantic type relationship when that wasn't it at all. So when we're talking about love, folks, we're talking about this selfless love, this other-centered love. And since it was the Super Bowl uh, just this past week, uh, Vince Lombardi, it's hard to talk about selfless love and not, not talk about Vince Lombardi. Yeah. And I know you've, you, you've written about Vince some, so I'll let you tell the story and then I'll add something maybe. So, yeah. So to me, you know, cause I'm always looking for, for fuel behind this idea of love to help people get it. And they're typically expecting me to talk about Gandhi or Jesus or um, other spiritual leaders. And I actually shock them. I say my, my poster child of servant leader love is Vince Lombardi, 1960s, you know, a different time, a different place in our society. And he brought it squarely to how he led the Green Bay Packers. And I'm sure how he led the other teams he coached as well. And the quote that I, that I use is, I don't necessarily have to like my players or associates, but as the leader, I must love them. That's an imperative. I must love them. Love is teamwork. Love is loyalty. Love respects the dignity of, of the individual. And then he concluded, he said, that's the strength of the organization. And so he saw very clearly <coughs> of what love was. And love was how he showed up, his actions. It wasn't a feeling, it was an action and what you, what you showed to your players. And then Kevin Cashman, who is the chairman of Corn Ferry, uh, had the opportunity of coaching uh, not not sports coaching, uh, professional coaching of two folks, two two guys that had played for Lombardi. And he was coaching them at about the same time. And each of them said the same thing about Lombardi. When the first one said it, he wasn't that, you know, it, it was intriguing. When the second one said it, it was amazing. These two football players, you know, which aren't necessarily what we think of as softies. When you think about folks that say, well, servant leadership is soft, they both said of Lombardi that uh, he loved me. I felt more love. I felt greater love from Lombardi than anyone in my life outside my family. Mm. I've never been so loved as I was by Coach Lombardi. Mm. You know, and that is amazing. It's awesome. Uh, and, and that is the type of love that we're advocating here. So do you have a favorite, uh, another example that illustrates uh, the impact of love on leadership? Uh, I do. Um, It's one I learned about a few years ago and I've studied a bit. And um, you talked about the military before. Well, I I heard and and witnessed the account of um, Mark Schmidt. And Mark Schmidt was the, and I think he still is, he was the commanding officer of the 435th fighter squadron training group and they were based out of based out in Colorado and he is my poster child of love he he said we're going to do it differently we're going to i'm going to pour into these folks i'm going to invest in them and one of his um 
one of his leaders in, in the squadron said, he shows up and he says, I care about you. I'm going to invest in you. And I love you. Mm. And he doesn't, in the account that I've, I've read and studied, he's not walking around. I love you. I love you. It's his actions. He's developing them as people um, in all aspects of their life. And the thing I love and the reason I use Commander Schmidt as an example is he acknowledges, he says, none of this matters a hill of beans if we don't produce. Yeah. We don't, if we're not successful as, as trainers of fighter pilots and wingmen and women <coughs> and their washout rate in the 435th, it just, it blows away the washout rate of the rest of the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, so their retention and the investment in the savings because folks aren't washing out is in the millions. So I love that. None of this love does not love and leadership does not matter a hill of beans if it doesn't produce the result. So we earlier referenced Cheryl Batchelder. When you start talking about results, I always think of um, the mission they adopted while Cheryl was CEO of Popeyes. And the first time I ever visited there, I saw it on the wall and have this picture of Cheryl standing by the plaque, inspiring servant leaders to achieve superior results. Mm -hmm. So it it is result-focused. Hey, Jeff, this is, after all, the Higher Purpose Podcast. We've been doing a lot of focus on servant leadership lately, going to continue doing that. But let me ask you, what's the connection from from what you see between servant leadership and purpose? Mm. How are those two connected, or are they connected? Well, I can just speak for myself. So I just that, that's where I'm going to go, and, and I like to simplify it. You, you referred to Simon Sinek before. I, I He wrote... And start with why the extraordinarily popular and impactful TED talk that he did. And the, he has the golden circles, the, the three concentric, concentric circles. And that's how I connect servant leadership to purpose. So my what is I coach, I teach, um, I support leaders, I support teams. That's my what. Um, also my what is I'm a dad of two girls, 10, 10 and six. I'm a husband. That's my what. Um, I have a leadership role in my church. That's my what. Then we get to the how. And the how is in the circle. If, if your listeners know that, that golden circle, the, the middle one is the how. So my how is servant leadership. That's part of my, it's not, only, it's not the only how I have, but my how is servant leadership. Servant leadership is not my why, Kevin. Servant right. leadership is my how. And then I have other hows as well and, and that are more technical and how I do what I do. But serv- that's where servant, and, and then we get to the core of my why. My why is, and we talk about purpose and why together. My why is I believe how we lead has an opportunity to, ha- to have a, an ex- a major impact on the challenges we have in our world today. If I could point to one thing that could address and maybe solve all the major challenges we have in the world, it's leadership. And that's what I feel called to do. That's my why. Um, and so I'm, I'm leading in my home. I'm leading my daughters. I, I pray every day that there'll be leaders in their classroom. Um, it's how I show up for my clients. That's my why or my purpose. So for me, the long way of answering your question, the connection between purpose and servant leadership is 
surmised in that in those Simon Sinek's golden circles. Okay. And and it is the connecting dot between the why and the what. It's manifest in the how. Yeah, spot on. Love that. Hey, for someone that's listening that wants to be more intentional in their practice of servant leadership, what's something practical they can do today, this week? Hmm. So you're ready to have your doors blown off? Sure. <laughs> I'm my tongue in cheek when I say that. The place I ask people to, I invite people to start today is to listen. Yeah. I have an axiom, say a little less, listen a little more. That is the most powerful way that you can start to show up as a servant leader, even if you don't call yourself that yet, because I, I don't really care if you call yourself that or not, but just listen, listen, say a little less, listen a little more. That's the place to start. Totally agree. That didn't blow me away. That, 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 <laughs> that, uh, I would say, and, and that is one of the least natural things to do. Mm. And it's one of the most difficult things to do. So I asked you something, what's, what's something practical? And that is immensely practical. Now, some of you may find it incredibly challenging, incredibly difficult. I didn't ask Jeff for the easy answer. I asked for the practical answer. There, there's a group I have the opportunity of working with on an annual basis. And um, it's the Limsey Leadership Institute Masterclass of Project Management Institute. And there was a lady, we, we were doing a follow-up session in December. And listening is something we talk about. And I, I'd ask in December, we, so we were together in October, I asked in December, what's something that people, what are you doing differently? And how is that manifesting in your work? And, and one lady said, her name's Danny, she said, I'm listening more, talking less, and my team is actually asking me about it. Because meetings are different because she's talking less. And so, yeah, it's difficult, but it is something you can do today. And it is something you need to be going back to intentionality that Jeff mentioned earlier. It's something that takes intentionality to do on a regular basis. So we'll give you the listening challenge. Mm. If, if you're listening to this podcast which if you're hearing it, you are listening. The, the challenge that Jeff and I both would issue to you is to, to listen. Take, take a seven-day listening challenge. Just say that from today for the next seven days, I am going to talk less and listen more. Mm. Let us know how that works out for you. That's great. Love so, that Jeff, challenge. as you look around at leaders that you serve and interact with, what hope do you have that servant leadership is growing, that it's flourishing in the world today? Mm. I th you know, we're in challenging times, Kevin. There is no doubt about that, um, where everything is black and white. You're either wrong or you're right, whichever side of the conversation you're on. And the thing that I'm seeing that's being born out of, let's call it a, a crisis that we have, the thing that I'm seeing being born is people seeing one another's humanity. I'm seeing that more and more, not enough, <laughs> not enough as at least to my liking, but I'm seeing that more and more. And to me, that's the, that's at the heart of servant leadership yeah. is that you, that, that I, as a leader, see you as a human. I see your humanity. I see that you're living life and that you're struggling sometimes and you're high another time. And so I'm really encouraged 
by the witness of, of seeing others recognize another's humanity. Love that it. gives me hope. That gives me so much hope. Yeah. Yes, we do need a uh, rehumanizing of others rather than a dehumanizing. So mm-hmm. who's someone that's inspired you on your journey? Well, I love the, un, the unsung heroes. And so I'll, I'm going to talk about someone that, that no one on this podcast has ever heard of. Well, maybe they have if a friend of mine is listening. Right. Uh, his, name is, um, his name is Dom. Dom is, um, is 60-something years old. Um, he is a servant leader through and through, and he pours into me. He pours into me. We were fortunate enough to cross paths a number of years ago, and he spends time with me. And also, he used to be the general manager of a manufacturing firm down in Philadelphia area before he he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and had to retire early. Um, So the stories he tells about how he showed up as a leader, I mean, he was an apprentice. He was sweeping the shop floor and he rose because of who he was and his character. He rose to general manager of the entire operation Mm. and and grew it multiple times into double digit millions. Um, Just just an extraordinary friend, a mentor and and servant leader. And he proves it to me every every week that I have a chance to spend time with him. I love that. I, I love that it's this unsung hero. It's someone that, that many would think lives in the shadows, but those are the people that really impact our lives. Yeah. Jeff, what's the final thought or challenge you'd like to leave us before we wrap up? Mm. Well, again, thank you for having me. It's just really so much fun. I just love spending time with you and serving those that are listening. If I had one thought, is that get into action. We get, you issued the seven-day listening challenge. Take this experience of spending 30, 45 minutes with us here whenever you listen to Kevin's podcast or whatever podcast you listen to and get into action. Take a few minutes after we're done here and jot down what are the key insights, not information, but what are the insights that you gleaned from our time together from whether you heard something Kevin say or something I said And then what's the tiny step that you're going to take as a result of that insight? To me, none of this matters uh, at all if if you don't take action. Kevin, you and I are a stand for transformation. and, And we want to see people transformed. And so for those that are listening, take the time, two minutes. What's the insight and what's the tiny action you're going to take as a result of this? Um, that would be my wish and my, my hope, the final word that I would, I would offer. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, what a great word. I'll have some more to say that in the wrap-up. You inspired me with, with something, but I'll, I'll save that for the wrap-up. Jeff, for those that want to continue the conversation or, or have deeper conversation with you, where do they go? How do they get in contact with you? Uh, well, first, I want to give everybody who's listening a gift. And I created over the holidays um, uh, an infographic called The Anatomy of a Grateful Leader. We didn't talk about gratitude here today, but it is so central to servant leadership. Indeed it is. Um, and so you can put it in your show notes. Um, it's, uh, my website is brilliancewithincoaching.com 
forward slash grateful leader. That's the, the place where they can download, request to download the infographic. It's got a ton of great questions and, and things about listening. Just a lot, I want to make sure that your listeners know that they can, I want to give them that gift. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and then second, to keep in touch, LinkedIn is really my platform of choice to stay connected with people. And so what I ask you to do is if you want to follow up with me, have a conversation, is invite me to connect. And in the invite, don't just do a, a blanket click connect, add a little note and put the word purpose and I'll know that you are a listener of this podcast and I'll specifically connect with you and see how I can serve you best. Um, I also have, I write every week. I have, uh, I create servant leadership content every week. So that's a great place to see my work as well, but please connect with me on LinkedIn and use that word purpose in your invitation. All right. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for joining me today. Let me share what I'm taking away from today's conversation with Jeff. Number one, servant leadership is the how you bring your why to life through what you do. Servant leadership is the how you express your why. Number two, I loved what Jeff said about say a little less, listen a little more. That inspired me on the spot to invite you to join us for a seven-day listening challenge, where beginning today, over the next seven days, you intentionally listen more and say less. Yes, that will be work. Uh, Post us on your progress, either at the Higher Purpose community on Facebook or by emailing me, kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. And then in the final encouragement Jeff left us with was to take action. And that reminded me of a quotation I use from Paulo Coelho in training all of the time. There's only one way to learn. It's through action. And that leads me to ask, if it doesn't lead to action, did you really learn anything? So interact with this content. Put it into action in your life. We do believe it will be transformative. Hey, until next time, I'm your host, Kevin Monroe. Remember, you are meant for more. Don't settle for less. If you've connected with this episode and would like to learn more about servant leadership and practice the skills you need to serve your team, company, and community, go to servantleadershipyear.com and join the community. That's servantleadershipyear.com.